0: something just doesn't feel right you go to see the doctor you two talk she examines you and you get some tests word comes back and it's not the good news you were hoping for what's next in many cases it's a second opinion from another provider I'm Roland Wilkerson with Novant Health Healthy Headlines and today we're talking with Dr. Pam Oliver, an OBGYN and president of the Novant Health Physician Network. She explains how to talk with your doctor about a second opinion, when to get one, and the right way to research medical conditions that can help you ask the right questions. So we're here today to talk about when to get a second opinion. Uh, Dr. Oliver, um, I think a lot of patients who are, are new to this are gonna feel like they're telling their doctor they don't trust them when, when, they, when they get a diagnosis. What, what's your advice to them?
1: Well, first I would say be upfront with your doctor about what it is that you need, even if it's just more information or a different take on what you're dealing with. Um, I would say most doctors want and need our patients to feel comfortable with whatever recommendations we're giving them, and um, central to that is trust. So trust that we have their best interests in mind and that we are giving them the best care. But despite that, there's nothing territorial uh, um, about a doctor-patient relationship and nothing that implies blind faith. And we would rather you go see another medical professional for advice than go to Dr. Google or your neighbors and your family um, and get their opinion instead. So express what you're looking for. And um, if your doctor actually is upset or it becomes an issue, then I do think there's a conversation that needs to be had there about the relationship. Because most of us understand that um, there are various ways to treat. Um, many things and our duty is to give patients options, make a recommendation and honor patient autonomy when it comes to those decisions.
0: So when should you seek a second opinion?
1: It's very common and I would advise patients to get a second opinion um, when it comes to certain severe, rare or high-risk situations. So if there's something that um, a patient is diagnosed with that is admittedly not very common, and there are very few people who actually deal with this, then um, that would be very appropriate for a patient to seek a second opinion to first confirm the diagnosis and then secondly, to make sure that they know all the treatment options and who really is the best at treating that. And all of us understand that. It's very common for our patients with cancer diagnoses to um, seek second opinions, not because they don't trust the oncologist or the diagnosis itself, but there are various treatments that are available depending on the institution where you receive care. And some t- some of those treatments may be more aggressive, it may depend on the, um, the stage of the cancer and the actual diagnosis, but when going through high-risk treatments like that, it's very important that patients feel comfortable with their diagnosis and that they are getting the treatment, whether it's the most aggressive or even less aggressive, if that's their desire.
0: So it could be that you want a second opinion, first on the diagnosis and then second on the path you're gonna take.
1: Yes, I would say that that is exactly right
0: we're all trained to be a little skeptical in our lives. And I'm sure some patients wonder, do doctors just refer patients to someone who's likely to back them up? And some people might even wonder, do they have a business relationship with this other physician? And is there a conflict of interest?
1: So I, there's, I agree, there's a healthy degree of skepticism with all of us, um, probably for a reason. And I hope the patients can appreciate the level of professionalism that we, as a medical profession, hold ourselves to and that we have their best interest at heart in in what we do. And um, that there isn't a necessary personal best interest when it comes to um, physicians. We are more likely to refer to uh, other physicians who we are aware of, either that we are aware of their knowledge base, their expertise, their bedside manner, and that we trust our patients too like we would trust our family members or our own health with. So those people may happen to be in the network just because of the way that we are, medicine is designed today. So it may not necessarily be that they are doing it out of some business interest, but purely because that it, those are the people that they um, know best and trust the best with their care. Um, and we want patients to feel, um, feel safe with WITH SPEAKING UP IF THEY ACTUALLY DO WANT SOMEONE OUTSIDE of, um, OF WHAT IS RECOMMENDED AND GOING OUT AND ASKING OTHERS ABOUT WHERE THEY CAN GO FOR THAT SECOND OPINION.
0: WHAT WOULD YOU SAY TO THE PATIENT WHO, LET'S SAY they've, THEY'VE JUST GOTTEN THIS INCREDIBLY SCARY NEWS AND THEY FEEL LIKE THEY NEED THEIR DOCTOR MORE THAN THEY EVER HAVE AND YET THE FIRST THING OUT OF THEIR MOUTH MIGHT BE, I wanna, I'M NOT SURE YOU'RE RIGHT. Um, I think some people just aren't comfortable. It it might feel like a confrontation to them. What's your advice to them?
1: Well, I think that with most things, um, the language is important. And so, telling someone that you uh, would like a second opinion for confirmation or validation probably comes off different than telling someone, I think you're wrong. Um, if especially if you want to maintain the relationship, and I deal with this as a mom <laughs> with my children, how I actually say it matters. <laughs> Words matter, and how you say mm. matters. I don't think uh, that you know most physicians have any problem at all with the um, idea that there are nuances to diagnoses, there are nuances to treatments. There are, we always say ten ways to skin a cat, um, and I would hope that the relationship that's been built will allow that patient to go find the information they need and then make the decision. Do you come back and even if you want to do something different and your your primary doctor can do it, that you can have that conversation with them? Um, or you can't get it with the primary doctor and you feel that you need to stay with the person who did the second opinion. Traditionally second opinions were designed to truly just give that opinion and the patient went back and then resumed care with their primary care team, with their primary team. Um, That does still happen and um, can be the the model, but there are times if that primary team isn't willing to or doesn't do the same care that the patient desires after the second opinion, that they may need to stay with the um, doctor who gave them the second opinion.
0: Um, Should you ever go outside the existing institution um, to get a second opinion?
1: I think it really depends on what your um, goals are and what is happening so you know I will often as an OBGYN my patients might see one of my partners or even a physician down the street um, for who's in a different practice for something they want confirmation about they just want another um, idea or thought around how to treat fibroids or what their surgical options are they would then Possibly, probably stay within the system because they feel comfortable. We have access to all their records, which matters, um, and they feel comfortable with that because of that situation. If a patient, if I tell a patient that there's a treatment option that's there but we can't offer it within our system, then I would be completely respectful of the fact that they drive to another uh, facility or system. To seek that because it's something that I actually do not offer. So I definitely think there are times where it is appropriate where someone is doing something or has a treatment that you need that you cannot get where you start a care and in your own best interest. I think that you have to um, you have to be willing to do that if you feel that that's in your best interest and your doctor should respect that.
0: Um, should you see some if you're looking for a. Second opinion, should you see someone in the same specialty or venture out further?
1: That again goes back to, it depends on the diagnosis and what you're dealing with. Um, there are many things within my GYM world that I just can't imagine what other specialty would give an opinion. Right. Even going back to a you know primary care doctor, and our primary care doctors are trained on so such a, a wide berth of, um, of conditions, but they n- might not necessarily be the expert at the fibroids that we are talking discussing with the patient. And so I do think it matters what the diagnosis is. There are some diseases where there's a complexity of neurologists or rheumatologists all treating similar, um, similar conditions. And in that case, it might be that you could actually seek a second opinion from a different specialist.
0: How do you, where do you go for a second opinion? Um, is your doctor always going to have a recommendation? And if they don't, do you just go to the, you go to the web or right. how do you navigate that?
1: It, it is complex. I will say that this is an area that I don't know that the health system is set up. And design and navigate patient, patients specifically for that. We navigate patients for referrals in general, but for a second opinion, um, I would say start with your physician. And uh, especially if you can, um, you you have faith in their respect for uh, what you're going for. Your physician can push point you in the right direction of someone that they respect, admire, and not out of personal or selfish gain, but out of your own um, for your own benefit. So I would start there and if your physician just doesn't know, then that would go back to you could check with your insurer to see if there's anyone that they list in their network who they would um, recommend and is covered um, for you. I did check to see um, most insurers do cover a second opinion as an office visit um, and uh, so that should not be an issue.
0: Right, so it sounds like you should just check with your insurance company first, but typically it should not be um, a significant issue. Right. So what do you do when your doctor gives you the diagnosis of X, you get a second opinion, and the next doctor says you've got Y? So now you've got two highly trained professionals saying two different things. Mm -hmm. What do you do then?
1: It's a little bit of a pickle because (laughs) how do you break the tie? um, You break the tie. Uh, that's where I think the information that you're being given is important. So what is the basis of the diagnosis? How easy? Is it a black and white diagnosis or is it something that, you know, what is the probability? What is your faith in what they, each physician tells you they think your diagnosis truly is? Um, and I hear this commonly. I'll hear people say, I was misdiagnosed with X, Y, or Z, and it could be that there are many things in medicine that are not black and white. There's no, we have a textbook of there are all these things that it could, you know, that are symptoms, but there is not a test that says, aha, this is what it is. So this is the art of medicine, we say, where you pull in all this information, the assessment of the patient and we come out with a diagnosis. And um, sometimes the diagnosis isn't a, this is definitely it, It this is what we think this is, and this is how we're going to further evaluate and start treatment, and we can pivot or change once we see if there's something different that that arises over time, and it may just take time. So in that case, I do think it then comes down to the relationship and the trust and the information that you're getting from each specialist you could always go to a third to break the tie.
0: Do people do that?
1: Yes, I've seen people who have gone to three or four different you know providers. I do think that it does muddy the water at some point um, especially when it comes to things like cancer where the diagnosis is based on pathology that someone reads and um, that the, the question isn't necessarily around the diagnosis but it's about many many different treatment options and it can be overwhelming and one they may all be very similar and nuanced and it can be too much for patients at some point to try to decide between these four different regimens of treatment. So I do think you have to think about your own personal capacity for taking all this information in and just ultimately being able to make a decision and move forward with that being comfortable with that decision.
0: And you mentioned before how the idea of um, second opinions originally started. Uh, is the. Uh, is the philosophy or the approach to second opinions is it evolving at all in medicine or changing?
1: I think there's just more of a understanding that uh, patient that patients are very well informed today, and that no longer we had a very paternalistic medical um, pa- doctor-patient relationship for many many years and people just did whatever their doctor said because they, they, you know, trusted that. And as generations have changed, as more information is out there to help patients learn um, more about um, themselves and their conditions, um, th- there isn't necessarily a change in the approach to it, but just the acceptance of and how it plays into um, the care that we give. So it, like I said, it used to be that a patient came to me for a second opinion and I just assumed they wanted my information, but then they would go back to their primary doctor. And now patients will clearly tell me, no, I want to stay and I want you to do just what you just told me to. Um, and so I would say that that's the biggest evolution is our acceptance of it and it being more integrated into the, the care that we give and insurance companies validating that is important for patients as they get comfortable with their diagnosis and treatment.
0: Uh, So we all know the internet can either be a treasure trove of information or an awful place to go. For somebody who's gotten a diagnosis, who wants to educate themselves better and perhaps ask better questions of their provider, what are a few good practices they can follow to bring themselves, uh, to, to educate themselves?
1: So first I would say, I would always go first to websites that are are um, more professional and validated by medical professionals. So, if you have a cancer diagnosis and you want some general information, then cancer societies or cancer foundations, or going to um, uh, hospitals like you know our own um, uh, website would have information for patients on various um, disease and diseases and and treatment options. And then there are some of the larger hospitals that pride themselves on the amount of patient information that they put out about various things. So I would say first go to the institutions and um, the societies that this is what they do from a professional standpoint. Um, I would veer away from blogs that are very personal because everyone has a story. And there's a lot of what we call anecdotal information that's out there. Some of it can be good, but it's hard to tease through what is accurate and what is not accurate. And you will, same thing, I think patients will get bombarded with a slew of good versus bad, um, and I would be very careful about pitting too much specifically on personal blogs or personal accounts. Um, if you find the information there and you get and see it it's validated in many other places, then I think that that would you know make me feel more comfortable.
0: And finally, I know in some cases people talk to a friend or a family member who had quote unquote you know exactly what they did. Um, when you're talking to other people who've gotten the same diagnosis, how much caution should you use in evaluating what they say, especially if they start? Questioning your doctor's mm-hmm. decision?
1: Yeah, well, first, I will say it is like we love our family, and I see our village that helps take care of us and can offer tidbits of advice. Uh, I w- there, there is a nuance in that you do not know everything that goes into that patient's diagnosis or treatment, things that they may not be telling you that are really pertinent to why they did something or something was recommended for them versus what your doctors are telling you. And so it can be deceptive and hard to tease through what actually helps you and you should compare how you should compare yourself. And so always, 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 if, I would say trust the medical professional who's taking care of you, or in that case, get the second opinion. Because if they're, and, and ask the questions. If, if a family member raises a good point or question or option, ask the people who are taking care of you to understand why that is or is not a good um, um, good thing for you. So I would say use that information as a tool in the conversation you're gonna have instead of um, just going off on your own and trying to self-treat.
0: Got a healthcare question? Help us turn it into a podcast. Email Healthy Headlines at NovantHealth.org with your idea and questions, and we'll see what we can do. Meanwhile, please don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen.
1: Thanks for listening.